Welcome to the Portland Real Estate Podcast, Oregon and Southwest Washington's number one show for real estate news and information. Without further ado, here are your hosts and a couple of guys who as busy realtors and successful brokerage owners know a thing or two about real estate. Steve Nassar of Premier Property Group and Joe Fistolo of Soldera Properties. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Portland Real Estate Podcast, episode number 140 with Justin Stoddart. And what's really amazing about Justin, he has this fabulous history of real estate related things, such as, you know, being a builder, being entitled, and now being a professional real estate coach. And the reason we are bringing him to Masters today is because we are going through some changes. We have inflation, we have different things going on that is affecting our market. And I think the last five years, we've been fairly spoiled with, you know, you didn't have to be as honed in as you needed to, you just needed to be there. And when the market tightens up, we need to implement certain things to still be successful and thrive. So before we jump into the interview, I want to welcome my co-host, Steve Nassar. How are you? Hey, guys. Excited to be here. Excited to have Justin on. I know uh, there's some big changes in your world, Justin, so we're going to dive into those. I have lots of questions for you and I'm very excited for you, mind you. You're a great resource and mind in our industry, and it's, it's exciting to see you head out on a new, a new adventure. So thank you for being a guest on our show. And by the way, you're a professional podcaster. It's always a special treat when we get to have somebody that owns a mic and knows what they're doing and is comfortable in front of it. And, you know, there's a few of you out there. Kurt's another one of them from RMLS. And we were talking about getting him on as well soon. But so thank you, Justin. It's my pleasure, guys. I've been a fan of what you've built here inside of Masters Portland Real Estate podcast for, for some time, right? I've been learning from you guys. So it's really fun to be the interviewee as opposed to being the interviewer from two guys that I respect greatly. So Awesome. Awesome. Well, Justin, tell us a little bit about your background. You're a young fella. When did you get into the business? Where did you get into it? Did you start in the title world? Did you do other things? How did you get into it? What did you do before? I grew up in, a, in an entrepreneurial family. We flipped homes. My dad was a real estate agent for a number of years. I went knowing that I'd be in business for myself eventually, that was always kind of the plan. I left college and actually went to work for a high-end home builder. In that process, I learned how to develop land. I learned how to build homes. And there came a point where I made an offer to him to purchase out his book of business. I was running his high-end custom home business. He was totally focused on land development that worked for him. And it worked for me and did that up until 2008, 2009. At that point, I had a tough decision to make. Is it, do I love building homes? Do I love developing land? And the answer was no, I really didn't. It was a great business opportunity, but really I found my passion was developing people, not land, building businesses, not homes. And so that really became my quest is to find an industry that would allow me to do that. I was recruited into the title industry in 2014, national title company, Old Republic Title was coming into the market. And uh, they knew that most people love their title company. Let's be honest, like you've got good relationships there. And so in order to have people move from where they were to where they're at, there needed to be a compelling offer. And so um, over the past seven and a half years, I've been working with that company to really help them grow and get established in the marketplace. And since then, in, in that process, I really found my passion, right? I, 
I uh, started the Think Bigger Real Estate Show, realized that, that again, back to kind of who I really wanted to be was someone who was developing people all the time and was helping build businesses all the time. That industry let me do that up to a certain point. I couldn't do everything that I wanted to do to help agents. I could see help that I could offer, but the title industry doesn't allow you to do everything that I'd like to do. And so this new path for me, which is really my life's work, allows me to do exactly what um, I've wanted to do for you know over a decade now of really being very integral in the, in the businesses of real estate agents, helping them to reach their potential. So. Interesting. That was going to be one of my questions for you, Justin, because as many of our listeners and probably both of you guys know, I started out in the mortgage industry and that I always respected you, Justin, because I, I thought you did, you know, there's a lot of different ways to get business when you're trying to get business from realtors. You can be their buddies, you can buy them, you know, take them donuts, you can, you know, th- there's a whole gamut. But I, I've always felt that the, the most scalable, the most successful way is to be a, a respected advisor coach that can draw from their own knowledge, but also maybe the market and watching others and, and help them grow their business. And I've always felt there two great things come from that. First of all, they're going to have more business, which is good for you. And second of all, they're going to want to give it to you because you're helping them, right? So that was going to be a question that I have for you is, you know, you were able to coach why, you know, and arguably at very little cost to the agent themselves, just, you know, just the channel of business that otherwise was going to have to go somewhere anyways. And you answered it. I'm curious, what are those things you couldn't do that now you can do as an independent coach versus with a title company? The title industry uh, really doesn't allow you to, to partner per se with agents, right? You can add value, although there's limitations on what you can add. Any quantifiable value that's, that's over the cost essentially of a meal is out of bounds. And so mm-hmm. it's hard to kind of quantify knowledge, but it gets into kind of some gray areas, right? And I realized that, that, that I wasn't just interested in, in offering knowledge, but actual help. And that's kind of how I've crafted my offer now is that there's, there's you can get knowledge. You know, we, we talked about like we live in the knowledge economy. I agree with that but we can Google anything and find it, right? Now it helps to have it curated, but ultimately somebody who can help you to implement, right? Somebody who can actually even bring in experienced experts to help implement things into your business, like my staff, my personnel that steps into your business and helps you to get things done that you know need to get done. That's obviously the level that's that's far beyond what I could do. And that's mm-hmm. what I've developed now is a, is a coaching plus business, right? Where it's it's not just me across the screen saying, hey, you should do this. And here's a list of things you need to do. You walk away from that call, by the way, feeling a bit overwhelmed. I was already busy before. Now I got a bunch of good ideas that I'm either going to feel guilty about because I didn't do them, or I'm just going to burn the candle at both ends and forget everything else in life that matters to me. So my belief is that agents need more than just knowledge, curated knowledge, specifically customized to them. That's great. But wouldn't it be awesome if you also had you could almost rent or leverage that coach's people, that coach's personnel to help you implement that into your business. That's what I've developed. And I think that was my vision. That's what I wanted to do. But I knew it was crossing that line of adding value that was outside of what a title company could offer. So now I can do that. Gotcha. Gotcha. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. And you can probably, I mean, would it be fair to say you can now get them products or tools and then back charge them for that if you need, if needed. In other words, 
included in your cost. Like, hey, I'm going to get you this CRM. It's X per month. I mean, that's a bad example, but maybe other tools that, whereas before there could never be an exchange of money of any sort, obviously, right? Two major limitations on the value that I could offer as well as the area that I could reach, right? I now coach people Mm -hmm. across the country. And whereas before my focus really needed to be in a very specific geographic area. That's a good point too. You know, the other thing is when you go see a motivational speaker or you talk to a coach, what they normally do at first is they kind of give the, the full resume. There's credibility to the person speaking. And I, I know, Justin, you've done so much and you're kind of a humble guy, but you did write a book in this interim called The Upstream Model. And I downloaded the book and half of the book is terrific. And that's as far as I got. (laughs) That's as far as I got. It's probably 100% terrific. I'm the kind of guy that reads like six books at once. And so I'm just fragmented all over the place. But the first half of the upstream model is brilliant. Actually, for those of the people watching, it's over your right shoulder. Oh, there it uh, is. Yeah. 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 Either uh, coincidentally or intentionally. But those values are, I completely agree with the upstream model. And I think I sent you a video I made back in yeah, I loved 2018 it. or 2017. And, and I call, I didn't call it upstream model. I called it referral partners. Mm-hmm. And there's so many similarities there that I think it's brilliant. So anyway, as far as Justin knowing what he's talking about, he absolutely does. And what we're hoping to do in masters today is give you some morsels. You know, if you have two takeaways, five takeaways of what we all should be doing as our mark morphs and changes over 2022, those of us who have been doing it long enough have lived through two and three and four of these corrections. And what happens every time is the old ways of prospecting don't work anymore. And the population of realtors gets cut in half. And so the people in masters, we really want to to bring value because we want you guys to be the people that stay and thrive. And it's shown by being a member, being active, watching the podcast, listening to the podcast when you drive. So Steve, did you want to go through any more of the questions? Yeah, well, no, I mean, I think I think we, we know a little bit about your background. I, I had one more question for you, Justin. You said staff. Do you have actual employees right now? Yeah. How many? So I have one full-time and uh, one part-time. Okay. What kind of things are, are like marketing or um, database yeah. or are they more coaching type? Yeah, no. So so I'm called like the head coach, right? And I've got, think about it this way. There's certain fundamental systems that any any real estate agent that wants to thrive during any downturn needs to have in place. The people that I've, I've attracted into my organization are people who that's what they've been doing as being implementers, integrators. They understand those key systems that we've developed and we help them to implement those into the business. So I help the agent kind of craft exactly what their 90 day plan looks like and what key systems are missing. And then my team steps in to work alongside those agents until those yeah. are implemented. <clears throat> mm, so. That's awesome. It reminds me of my CPA, by the way, and I'll tell you uh, real quickly. So with my CPA, my bookkeeper 
we decided we needed to go and you start using QuickBooks. We were using, you know, a different, you know, less robust program. And not only did he, he make that suggestion, but he said, come in, here's my key person that can sit with you and start teaching, not only teaching you, but doing it with you alongside you until such a point that you're able to do it yourself. So it reminds me a lot of that. And that's what a valuable ad for agents. Cause I think there's a lot of people that are telling agents what to do, but it's, it's powerful to be able to actually grab them, you know, by the shirt collar and say, okay, here, we're going to do it with you. I was just going to add many are intimidated by the hiring process and they figure I'll just do it myself. I'll figure it out. Right. I can either YouTube that or my coach will tell me what to do. But at the end of the day, the urgent always takes precedent over the important and things don't get done. And there's an opportunity cost every month that goes by. I would argue that at least $10,000 is flying over an agent's head to not have those key referral systems in place to where you aren't missing out on people that already know you, like you, trust you and would use you. They're just forgetting about you. And so mm-hmm. like, there's gotta be this realization of like, if I were to actually get a bill every month on how much it's costing me to not have these things in place, I would probably like be sick to my stomach. So let's mm-hmm. get things in place and then we can move on with life. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, let's go right into it. Justin, you're super plugged into the, to the market and the businesses of agents across the, probably across the talent stream, right? From good solid agents that are by themselves to probably some, some healthy teams doing, you know, some, some pretty big numbers. What are you seeing out there right now? What are the challenges? What are the opportunities? What would you like to share with our listeners as the happening here and now? Yeah. Funny. I was actually having a conversation with two coaching clients in person today. I actually had an in-person coaching, coaching meeting, which was, was really quite fun. That's not typical, but so it was kind of made it Extraordinary. But but the conversation is, is quite similar that I'm hearing both directly as well as indirectly, which is a lot of look side to side. What are you seeing out there? This feels different than it has in previous years. Now, I caution them. I said last year, our spring selling season started in December or January. So we can't use that as a, as a proper indicator. It just started so early. Yet even with that, there's feels like this, this little bit of lull. And, and, and much of that data is being gathered from their consumers being ready to go to them being in a spot where they're holding off a little bit, right? There's obviously some, some troubling things happening in the world. Interest rates are ticking up. At the end of the day, I, I think the opportunity, back to your, your question, Steve, is that right now the world is on kind of emotional rocks, right? They're, they're just kind of like, what's happening, right? What's happening with the economy? What's happening politically around the world? What's happening with this? And I always say that the, the highest form of sales is leadership always. And consumers still need to move. They still need to sell. They still need to buy. They're looking for somebody that can give them the confidence and to help them to think unemotionally and make a good decision. And so the first, I think, prerequisite any of us have to have is that we have to be checking our own psyche and seeing how much are we tuning into the news and bringing like the world events into our own backyard and being emotionally distraught that's caught, that kills our confidence, eliminating our ability to convey that confidence to other people. So I think first and foremost, the way to stand out in this market is to guard your mindset. I'm not saying be blind to what's happening in the world, but you also need to be like realistic as to how that affects us. Now, it does in some ways. It doesn't in some ways that we unfortunately pull into today. So first and foremost, it's always mindset. We have to be clear and strong of what's actually happening. What are the actual risks? What, like, what's the actual scenario for us right here in the Portland, Oregon market. And 
wherever it is you live, right? So I think that's the biggest differentiator that a lot of agents can make and should be making to stand out from their peers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Have you ever heard of the book, The Challenger Sale by Chance? No, I haven't. It's it's an okay, it's a it's a good book. I mean, I have it on Audible. I've been listening to it. It's not you know it's not the easiest book to listen to, but the big thing it talks about it talks about different sales models, and it's actually geared towards business to business sales. So it's not a hundred percent relevant to us, even though I guess in the title world and mortgage world, you could say that it's it's more geared towards them. But one of the big things they they say is the challenger sale model is selling through education where you present a problem to your subject that maybe they haven't realized and then you solve it for them. And it's talking about the the success of that. You kind of reminded me a little, little bit about that in what you were talking about there. And, and, and I've, I've been re- thinking about that a lot with, with our business, right? As realtors, our clients come to us and most agents are saying the same thing. I can market the best, you know, you know, there's a whole slew of things they can, that they're, they're usually saying, what is the one thing that we're pointing out to them that's unique that suddenly when you say it, they're like, uh-huh, yeah, that is, that is an issue. And then you go, let me tell you how my other clients are solving this. So interesting concept there. What do you see happening with the market moving forward, Justin? Yeah, that's a, that's a, you know, a bit of a loaded question. I, I think based on everything that I've read economically, as well as some of those economic reports coming out before you know what's happening in Europe right now, I think we get a kind of a, a, a stabilization of the market. I don't expect anything overly drastic. I, th- I think it will feel drastic based on years past. I think there will be an exodus of agents getting out of the business. And I still think that we'll continue to see agents come into the business. Those that have come in and realized like, I don't have what it takes, they'll get out. Yet they're still, this is still the best option for a lot of people. So with all of that movement, my belief is that there's a group of agents that will continue to thrive. Some of my best clients in the title and escrow world, and even now into the coaching space, they, they grew up, if you will, in the business in 2007, 2008, right? Joe, you mentioned this, right? That there's agents that thrive in any market. And so I think yes. as we come back to a new normal, if you will, again, there's so much demand. I just can't see this being a bubble. I can't see it turning off. I can't see it coming back to a normal market. But I'd love to hear from you, Joe. What, what, what do you predict? Are, are, are my assumptions correct based on you having lived through more of these than I have? Yeah. So what we see is, so inflation's happening and you know, there's still brokers out there saying, hey, my listing sold in three days with 10 offers way over list price, right? I think people realize, hey, let's not do that anymore. Let's, let's kind of focus on what's happening with interest rates, gas prices, I mean, we're kind of getting priced out of the market. There's people that are like, hey, you know, you want 800000 for this tiny little ranch house. I mean, people are kind of like getting frustrated. The buyers are getting so frustrated. And so what I'm trying to do is build a better realtor. If ever before, now it's most important to master your craft. I'm a broken record with that. But if you're going to be whatever you're going to be, Martin Luther King said, if you're going to be a a street sweeper, be the best street sweeper you can possibly be that when you die, the heavens will say, here is the number one street sweeper in the world. Whatever it is that you do, be the absolute best. And so, you know, someone who doesn't know me and doesn't know how long I've been in the business 
every once in a while, someone big leagues you and says, oh, well, I've been in the business for, for 20 years. And I just think about our correspondence and I think about how they write things and what they've done. And in my mind, I'm thinking, gosh, you had your one first great year and then you duplicated that first year 19 years in a row. And you didn't do anything aside from, you know, the minimum required educational continuing ed to strengthen yourself. You know, we should be bettering our knowledge, ethics, professionalism, correspondence, 10% a year, year over year. And it boils down to this. Real estate is a relationship business. We find value with our relationship. And there's no favors that are, are done. Clients pick us because they, they trust us, they like us, they know we're capable of doing the job, and we solve the problem. We get them their goal, whether it's to sell, then buy, or whatever it is. And every recession that I've been through, when you come out of it, like I started Masters 10 years ago. So 2012, we're coming out of it. Everybody and their brother is like, wow, this market's amazing. It's on the way up. All I have to do is stick my sign in the ground and I walk away with $10,000, $20,000. And when Masters was created, everybody was complaining about the professionalism of the brokers because they didn't have to be good. They just had to be there. So it's like anybody can sell an umbrella in a rainstorm or with blistering heat, but can you sell an umbrella when it's 75 degrees with a light breeze, right? And that's what I'm encouraging people to do because when everything changes, what we've done in the past won't work in the future. And I'm not doom and gloom that, you know, we're going to go off a buffalo jump and, you know, crash at the bottom. But if you are serious about your profession, you should be all in and you should be reading everything, following people get coaching and delegate as much as you possibly can. And I'll turn it back to you guys in a second. But someone asked me, what was the one thing you could have done that you wish you knew on day one that you didn't know until later? And it was my referral partners concept. It's your upstream model concept. If I would have known that day one, I, you know, I would have catapulted higher and faster Part two, biggest flaw, I didn't delegate. And there's a great realtor. He had a CRM, great real estate coach, great everything. Hell of a guy. Gabe Cordova, he started Firepoint, a CRM, and then since moved on to do other stuff. He was in real estate. His last year in real estate, he and his team closed over 800 transactions. This guy knows what he's talking about. And he came and spoke to my company and he broke it down and he said, how many average listings does the average realtor get? And we just said, okay, 10 in a year. And he's like, okay, let's call that six. What's the average commission? We told him something, he lowered it. He's like, what's the number of hours that you spend on that? We told him X, he increased it. We did the math, figured out what the dollar per hour was with that scenario that he filtered everything and made it even more crazy. It came to $433 an hour is what we make. So what I didn't do effectively before is if there's any job out there that doesn't bring you joy and someone else does it better than you, and it costs less than $433, 
gosh darn it, hire somebody. Hire you know people to clean your house. Hire a landscaper. Hire someone to put together your mailer program and all of that other stuff. And this is what I'm trying to promote to the brokers today because right now people are falling into deals left and right. And anyway, sorry I didn't come up for air on that one. Steve, no, that was good. That was good. I love I love that, Joe. I love that. And that's something I believe in very, very passionately with delegation. I think what it comes down to, and I think this is what you're doing, Justin, with your new with your new business, with your new coaching program. I feel like there's a huge chasm. Is it chasm or chasm? I always forget. <laughs> chasm. Chasm. You need to slur um, it so you're you're right either. Way. I know. You kind of go chasm. halfway down the middle. <laughs> pun intended. Between agents who are running a business and those that aren't. You know, you could call them what they what else ever else you want on the other side. You could call them sole practitioner. But I think I think you could have three people on your quote unquote team and still not be running a business. People who are running a business, I mean, it's it's not it's not rocket science. You know, look at a different entity. Look at outside of our organization. By the way, there is a great book we just read, Uncopyable. Any but this is a phenomenal book. It's very short. You ever heard of that one, Justin? Not talks a lot about looking outside of your business for ideas to improve your business. That's a huge concept of it. But look outside of our business. Look at a Fortune 500 company or or even smaller. Look at, you know, a regional company that's doing well. Maybe, a, you know, a Les Schwab or, you know, maybe before they were, you know, purchased by an outside entity. But and model some of the things they're doing as a business. You know, they have a marketing department. They have a, you know, they have a sales department. And in our world, I think the agents that have they have systems, they have SOP, standard operating procedures. They have, you know, templated formats for for doing things. They're not just flying by the seat of their pants. I think in any environment, the agents that are running businesses have an advantage. But I think the ones now in this environment have more of an advantage. And one of the reasons I think that's the case is because of labor shortages with contractors. I think agents who are kind of just dabbling and just doing a little bit here and there are really struggling to get the attention they need from perhaps you know, everything from, you know, a contractor to the people needed to help get a a listing ready or help a buyer have questions answered that they need to potentially maybe even people within the industry, inspectors, photographers, there's, there's, there's a lot else that goes down that, that path. But I would even challenge people, even if you're by yourself today, run your operation as if there were 20 or 50 people there I was having this thought recently. So on my team, every Tuesday at 1030, we have a a buyer meeting where we Zoom and all 17 people that are involved in, in the buyer side of the transaction are on. And we literally go through and quickly say the name of every active buyer we're working with. And when we talk about where they are, what's going on, do we need to do anything this week on that person? Okay. We also do the same thing Thursdays at 1030 with our listing meeting. Same idea. Okay. 
if I was starting over and we were talking about this, Justin, before we were on air, like if, if somebody picked me up and gave me a hundred bucks like that TV show and put me in, you know, Tulsa, Oklahoma and said, Steve, you're starting over here. I would have a Tuesday buyer meeting at 1030 by myself and it would be on my calendar and it would be methodical. Like it would take an act of Congress to move it where I would stop everything I'm doing. I would pull up my tools, whether that's a spreadsheet, CRM, whatever, and I'd scan through every buyer I'm working with and I'd be making notes. Okay, I have to call this that person this week. I have to call that person that week. Oh crap, we're we're in escrow. Our inspection contingency is up Friday. I got to I got to work on that. And I'd make my to-do list right then and there. And then I'd go back to every, you know, everything else that's that's busy around me. I believe firmly that if I did that as a solo agent, it wouldn't be long that things would start rolling along nicely and there'd probably be another person in that meeting with me. And then maybe eventually another and another and another. And, and I can say that confidently because I just told you I have 17 people in that meeting with me today. So, but so that's show, running your, that's let me running tell them your, the show just so there's context. Justin told us about a show called Undercover Billionaire and he, he's not a TV guy, but he sat and watched it. And what they did is they took a billionaire moved him somewhere to the middle of wherever, Wyoming. They gave him a brand new cell phone, not his own cell phone, like a hundred bucks. And he had a period of time, 90 days to build a million dollar company. And, and the idea is if you have the principles and the knowledge and you know what to do, you're going to thrive in any market in any place. And I haven't watched it. I'm going to, because it's very fascinating. And that's what we got to strive to do as brokers, because anyone can make sales when the market is fast and furious. When it tightens up, that's when you really got to know mm-hmm. absolutely everything. I want to tie this together if I could real quick, guys. There's, there's something interesting here that you both pointed to, because I, I would imagine every agent right now, if you could build a million dollar business in the next 90 days, you'd probably be interested in that. Um, going back to that show, um, it was actually Grant Cardone who, who was the one that was dropped in a city. Maybe some of you are familiar with it. It was aired on Discovery Channel. Whether you like Grant or don't like Grant, that's irrelevant to the point. There were a number of other people, but he's probably the most noteworthy that literally shaved his head, gave him dark rim glasses, kind of Joe Fustillo type glasses. And again, changed his name, t- took his phone away. And, and, and his goal was to go out and to create a million dollar business in 90 days. And Grant Cardone, for, for those that know him, teach um, a certain way of doing business. Let me tell you what Grant Cardone actually did, which tie in ties in to what Joe talked about, right? And which I wrote a book about. And it's this concept that you can go try and court the masses, right? You can go out and statistically, for every 100 people in your database, 10% of those people will either turn into a transaction or a referral to a transaction. So in other words, if you want to, using the traditional form of getting business, okay, database, et cetera, if you wanted to add 10 transactions to your business, you need to go add another 100 people to your database and give them some sort of attention, okay? More than just an email, right? That's a lot of, that's 90 people who will do nothing for you this next year who you added some value to. That is not a good use of time. And in this market, I believe strongly that we don't have the luxury anymore of wasting time. We just don't. It used to be that there was enough opportunity out there that you could waste some time and still build a good living. I don't think that's possible anymore. I think that's going to be the cause of the exodus of the agents that waste too much time. Those that are really productive and hone in on effective strategies are the ones that are going to thrive and survive. Those that really are becoming masters. The model that Grant Cardone used that, that I think we would all recommend 
is to go out and find key partners, right? So rather than going out and finding a hundred people to give you 10 transactions, go out and find one or two people that can give you 10 transactions. Okay. That's the essence of what I teach. It's really the 80, 20 principle, but instead of having to go out and spend time with 80% that aren't going to produce, you only hone in on the 20% of people or less, maybe the 5% of people who are going to give you 80 to 90% of the transactions. And that, again, that's the essence is, is we have to be better with our time. And by mm-hmm. the way, that's what Grant Cardone did is that he went and found one guy in town that knew everybody. And they went and sold a marketing package to all the business owners in town that that guy, by the way, knew. That guy in town knew everybody, had a great reputation. Grant leveraged him to get in the door and pitch his marketing packages to all these different businesses. That's how we did mm-hmm. it. That's what mm-hmm. we should be doing. Mm-hmm. So that's, mm-hmm. It's funny that you say that, Justin, because I have another class I teach and... I never had a name for this class. So I just called it my Jerry Maguire class, right? You know, when he like stood up and he's like, I don't want a million people. I just want one person and I'm going to give them my all and we're going to both be successful. And I absolutely agree. We got to, you know, start shooting with a, a sniper rifle instead of a shotgun. And there's a lot of wasted time on people that are never going to do a transaction with you whatsoever. And we need to filter those people immediately and hone the relationships of the people who you bring value to. Right now you're bringing value to everybody, but there's only 10% of it that is, is going to bring value to you. How would we be if, if you know all 100 people that you're talking to do a, some sort of business with you that year? I mean, it would be a completely different scenario. Yes, you would just, have a million dollar business. Yeah. And to, to, to Steve's point, sometimes this can be overwhelming, right? When you're looking at these big teams that have 17 people in their meetings, right? Congrats to you, Steve. It's a, mighty impressive what you've done, not just that, but your brokerage, et cetera. But most people aren't in that spot. Let's be honest. They're just not, right? They don't have that capacity or they're not to that point yet. And I would say that that's where it makes sense. Many agents are reluctant to invest in, them, in themselves and their businesses. And so they never get over that hump, right? There are actually systems in place and people who can help you to have those systems, right? Rather mm-hmm. than trying to figure it out yourself, because by the way, you probably won't and or if you calculated the opportunity cost that it's going to take you to figure it out yourself, like you're not going to like that number, like go find the experts who, who, who have what you need and pay for it and get it in your business and, and move on. And quickly you'll see yourself earn that back in no time and have now a system in place that will serve your business forever. But, but again, yeah, absolutely, Justin. Absolutely. But again, what, what I was trying to say is run your business like a business, even if it's not quite a business yet. Mm-hmm. Right. And watch it become a business. Yeah. So I, I talked about a, a buyer in a listing meeting, have a marketing meeting once a week, have, or, or no, actually, I don't even think you have to have it once a week, every other week or once a month, have on your calendar, a marketing meeting, even though you're a solo agent, where you stop everything, it's blocked, you sit down and you go, okay, I got to get in front of my database. What am I going to do for the people that, who am I going to call this month and be organized? So many agents are just flying by the seat of their pants, doing whatever screaming loudest at them with no proactivity in their quote unquote business, which in my mind, my opinion, makes it really not a business. There's another you know, component to what I'm trying to say. The agents who are running businesses, here's another example. 
Do you have a bank account for your business or is it just a slush fund with your, your regular bank account? I mean, you know, that in of itself may not sound like something that drives in business, but if you start acting like a business, even when you're not a business yet, you will become a business. That's just a law of, you know, nature. One thing I want to jump in here, it's we've been at it for 45 minutes and I want to jump into some nuts and bolts and morsels here. So Justin, I've been a broker for let's say five years. So I know what CRMs are. I know what everything is. I just haven't really honed my skills because the market has been so hot. What would you tell me moving forward in changing times? What are the top three things I should be focusing on and preparing for in the future? As maybe unsexy as this sounds, I know everybody's looking for a silver bullet. I'm telling you, the silver bullet is doing what John Wooden, the best college basketball coach of all time, it's going back to what he did when he was starting off each season. Keep in mind, he has the best basketball players, the best players out of high school in the world now on his team. And he's teaching them how to put their socks on because he knew that if they didn't put their socks on, right, they'd get blisters. And if they got blisters, they would not be an effective basketball player. As lame as that sounds, like, okay, let's, let's, let's remember how to put our socks on. It's going back to the things to make sure, do I have a database? Is that database prioritized? Okay. Now, there's a number of different ways to do it, but you need to be sure that, again, looking at the 80-20 principle, you need to be sure that, that you know who are the people that you should be spending time with, not just the squeaky wheels, but the people that are actually going to produce a return for you. Right? There's a system in place you can easily implement and tag everybody in your database and then give those people attention accordingly. Right, And people that are coming from online and other sources who you don't have a relationship with should be kept, but maybe not in the same exact bucket as all the people who you do have a relationship with. Right, So I think having not just a database, but having it prioritized so that, again, you can spend time with the people that are actually going to return, going to give you a return on that time. Again, we don't have time to waste any time this year. That's the first. I think after that, it's establishing a pattern of communication with these people. I think with new agents coming into the business, there's this trend of, I really want to help my sister who just got licensed, who, by the way, knows nothing about real estate, but I want to help them. We've all been there where we want to help someone that we love. And I would say that if you're an agent, that has the potential to do some damage to your business. If you, again, don't know who the people are that you're communicating with, and you don't communicate with them regularly, making a differentiation between you and them, right? And the common agent, like actually on a regular basis. And, and I recommend at least two emails a month to that group. One can be an art, right? Meaning like, here's what's happening in our community. Here's what's happening in our, like in, in our area, right? Here's what it's like to live in our area, to, to really add value to the people that are already in that database. Second is one like science. You need to show that you are a master of the numbers. Now, I don't recommend putting out bar graphs and charts that only you as a real estate agent would be interested in. I think you need to take one key point from all these charts and graphs that you're looking at and tell a story about why that matters to the client. Like simplify it down, make it very entertaining, interesting, maybe even pull in a client experience and send that out once a month. This allows you to be the guide right? For those that study marketing, you don't want to be the hero. You want your clients to be the hero. You have the ability to be regularly demonstrating the fact that your clients, that, that you guide your clients to a happy ending. More people will want you to guide them to their happy ending if you do that. 
So I think that's the second part is, is regular communication channels via email and social media. We spend too much time surfing social media. We need to recognize that that is one of the greatest tools built for real estate agents. And it's the greatest listening tool. Again, if in your database, you know who your key people are, you can go to Facebook with the express intent to say what's happening with this person in their life right now. Oh my goodness, it's their wedding anniversary. I'm going to send them flowers, right? Now you won't do that for everybody, but you should do it for the person that refers you every quarter, right? Maybe that's a way for you to really stand out. But again, using these mediums to really stand out in your relationships. I think that's a critical component is establishing a full communication plan, marketing plan to this group. So have the database, have the marketing plan. And then third, I would say, have a a way to really differentiate yourself as more than just a real estate agent. Everybody wants to say, I can help anybody buy, sell, or invest in real estate. The problem with that is that you're now in a sea of sameness. Everybody can do that. And so you really don't really serve anybody in particular is really refine who is it that you serve best and be able to articulate that and have something, maybe it's an annual CMA that you give to your people to show that I actually am watching the numbers for you and have some deliverable, right? That's maybe more than just a pop by, maybe more than just kind of a extension of, of friendship and appreciation, but something that differentiates the fact that you are a master that you are not just a general master, but you're a master of their real estate portfolio. I think when you can start to do those kinds of things to the right people, again, this isn't for everybody in your database, you'll run out of time, but for the right people, the right referral partners, this makes a lot of sense. One thing you said that is really important is you need to quickly identify the means of correspondence with people and the frequency of correspondence with people. And there's a fine line between waterboarding somebody with all of your stuff. They're going to block you and you're going to lose all opportunity to reach them ever again. The other end of the spectrum is people feel like you forgot about them. And the worst thing, if you've been in real estate long enough and you drive down the street and the house that you sold six years ago, you drive by and there's a bright, shiny for sale sign in the front yard of that house that you sold, and it's not your sign, staying on top of this, labeling your people, these are buyers, these are sellers, these are past clients. When you want to get out a a newsletter or an email, you can do it effectively for what their needs are and really implement the CRM. I, I can't tell you to this day, there's so many brokers with no CRM and they're just running around with the contacts in their phone And the thing that reminds them to maybe reach out to them as they see their name and their phone and they're like, oh, I should probably call them. It's been like three years since I called them last or did anything. So what do you think the goals are for building the upstream model? So for building these relationships, how does one go about that where people organically come to you? I've got it broken out in my coaching circle to five simple steps. We'll be able to go in, in depth on them, but I'll, I'll tell everybody that's listening here where we appreciate you tuning into Masters and being a part of this. First and foremost, it's, it's to identify a category or an industry that you feel like you could be getting business from, right? So for some, it's like, I really enjoy talking numbers to my people. A CPA may be a very good upstream partner for you because you can actually get knowledge from that CPA and you can deliver it to your clients, right? And essentially what you're doing is you're integrating their knowledge into your practice. 
And when the CPA sees that you do that, they're going to be interested in you over every other real estate agent out there. Now, that's just one example. There's literally dozens of people. I just learned of one today of a Arizona real estate agent who got three listings last week from a moving company. Now, how did that happen? It wasn't, by the way, by going to the moving company and saying, do you have any listings for me? There's a very strategic process that everybody that I've met and that I've studied and that I've developed into doing this, they follow a key set of principles. So principle number one is to have some idea in advance as to why this might be someone that you would want to partner with. Okay. So that's number one. Number two is to seek a warm introduction to this person. If you show up as a solicitor with your hand out to these people, they're, they're going to treat you as you are a solicitor with your hand out, right? They're not going to see you as a trusted peer. Steve, you talked earlier on in the, in the meeting about having a, a B2B approach. I believe that real estate agents should realize that when they're approaching an upstream partner, if you approach them as a B2C, which is, oh, by the way, I'm never too busy for your referrals, that doesn't work. It works at people that are people that already know you, like you, trust you, that works with them. But to a new business relationship that you're developing, that doesn't work. You really have to come in thinking of yourself, not as I'm here to get something, but I'm here as a business consultant to add value to this business. So step number two is to seek a warm introduction. And the purpose behind that is so that you don't have to talk about yourself when you first meet. Because the minute that you start dominating the conversation, talking about yourself, it feels like you're soliciting their business. It feels like you're pitching yourself to them and they shut down. If instead, step three, in that meeting, you're now meeting with them, they've already heard about you. You've been pre-edified, pre-sold. They're excited to meet with you based on the way that you were introduced. Now you can really step in as a business consultant, asking questions that cause them to open up and share what might be the pain point in their business. Now, all of a sudden, you have the most valuable thing that you could have, which is something that they're struggling with, okay? That's the goal of step three, have the meeting and learn something that's painful for them. Step four is to add value to that pain point. You already know a lot more than you know. You already know a lot of people more than you know. You could know a lot more and you could meet a lot more people. In other words, you have endless potential solutions to solving that business owner's problems. So you're going to go to work and add value to them. And then step five over time is to take it to where your value, the stuff that you know about the real estate industry, gets integrated into their business processes, into their client experience to where naturally they're talking about you because you gave them the ability to talk about real estate. And if you simply are leaning on the fact that, well, I took, I took them golfing enough times, I took them to lunch enough times, I think they're going to refer me, right? And that's what's traditionally taught is it all just, I'll lead with friendship. Very similar to what you said, Steve, about the typical kind of title rep approach is like, let's be friends, let's be chummy. And over time, you'll send me business. In a B2B hard to relationship- scale, Hard to scale that one. Hard to scale. I mean, that's one of many reasons with that, that flawed model, right? Agreed, yeah. And frankly, you're not solving a problem that they need. The, the chances, this person probably doesn't need more friends. That's not what they're looking for. They're looking for someone to help them to grow their business. Now, as friendship develops over time, that's fantastic, right? but you're coming in to really solve a business problem. And as you do that, guess what? Now, all of a sudden, they're open to the conversation of how you can continue to add value, not just to their business, but to their clients, thereby getting warm introductions on a regular basis. So that's, as a high-level overview, that's how you implement the upstream model and really focus on people that, again, 
one person that can refer you 10 deals a year, as opposed to a hundred people that can send you 10 deals a year. There's, there, it's just a much better use of time. And I, mm-hmm. I'd like to add the people in your upstream portfolio, I call them referral partners, mm-hmm. but they got to be the best in their field. They got to be professional, do what they say they're going to do, under promise, over deliver, handhold the people that need it, blaze by the people that don't need it. They need to dazzle you because any referral partner we have, it reflects on us. And the concept of the upstream model is you have real estate related partners, and there's a difference between a partner versus a referral source. A referral source, say it's a lender, you send them uh, some buyers and they can get the loan done and take the buyers all the way to the end zone. And the buyers are going to say, well, that was a great transaction. I really like that lender. But that's the last deal you're ever going to see from that lender again. That's a referral source. A referral partner is you send them buyers, they send you buyers that are pre-qualified, right? And, And you do that throughout everything real estate related. It could be a roofer, a landscaper, a real estate attorney, a a divorce lawyer, an estate person, a moving company. It's countless of what your referral partners can be. And the concept is sometimes we get there first. Sometimes they get there first. I get to a house and it's like, oh my gosh, the roof shot. Hey, I got a guy. You should call this guy. The guy needs to be brilliant competitively priced, available, have good materials, show up sober, you know, all the things that you want in a in a great partner. But sometimes all they have to say is when they're out doing a bid on a roof, it's like, well, what brings me here today that you need a roof on your house? Well, Helen and I are going to sell our house because this is way too big. The kids are raised and gone and we want to get a one level. Oh, I have someone that's terrific for you. And that's when it comes back. That's the upstream model referral partner mentality. And I got to tell you, a warm, fuzzy blanket baton handoff is so much better than the ice bucket challenge of internet leads and everything else. And the other thing is you don't have to be turning over rocks looking for these people. They will come to you through your partnership. I truly believe that if people haven't developed that with multiple people they need to and make sure they're great at what they do. Yeah. Great stuff, Justin. I liked what you said about your your database, the two key touch points where, you know, you talk once about our area, fun things to do, and then once more specific to the industry. I think that's a really healthy formula for anybody staying in touch with their database, which is really the lifeblood of their business, right? right? That database is like your bloodstream that's going out there to all of your past clients and clients. One thing I would add that I've found tremendous success with, with my database is just being generous with it. If you gave $50 a year to your past clients, right? The statistics show every seven or eight years are going to move. You've given $350 to $400 to somebody who's probably going to be a lot more compelled to use you. Okay. Get creative with that. Have fun. I hear the term Popeyes. To me, those are little tchotchkes that are very little value. I think as a business owner, I think we can step it up a little bit and find innovative, fun ways to give meaningful, meaningfully back to our database 
on a systematic and scalable in a scalable manner that is going to almost compel them to feel guilty if they don't use you. And, and you know what, you don't need it to work a hundred times. I did a, a class rec- not too long ago for some agents at our company. And one of the things I said is it was talking about errors. It's another podcast we should do. And I'd love to have you, Justin, on it. Cause one of our questions were, are what common pitfalls or mistakes do you see agents making that you warn, you want to warn our listeners of? And we really haven't got to that. And I had done a class on that, and then I had about you know fifty things down. One of them was most agents don't realize that not all marketing needs to work one hundred percent of the time. Actually, usually in our business, it pencils if it only works two percent of the time, right? So, leading with generosity is is something that I don't see enough of when it comes to to databases. I think if you're running a business, again, this is where it can't be the slush fund in your personal checking account. There's a business account. There's budgets of, I have this many past clients. I'm going to you know, find ways to add value to them because that's really what you're doing in a meaningful, fun way that's creative, innovative, and makes them think of you. It's hugely powerful. Have you read the book, The Go-Giver? Absolutely. Yeah. Great book. It's, yeah. it's basically give of yourself, give of your time. It's not always money, but just be very giving and it comes back tenfold and people don't understand that concept. They think earlier money- in your career, here's one thing I'll say to that joke. Cause you're right. Our time is incredibly important. In my experience, the earlier you are in your career, you have more time than money as your career blossoms. And as you get busier and busier and busier, hopefully anyway, you eventually cross a tipping point where you have more money than time. So yes, to our newer listeners, when you're giving to your clients, when you're giving to your database, have it be time, have it be sit down with them for coffee, add value to them in person. But as you start to have a database, as like a guy like I, I have, or many others is approaching thousands, that becomes a little bit less possible. And so then you have to get a little bit, you have to flip the equation a little bit and maybe start using money and and I don't just mean I don't mean $50 handshakes of course that's not what I'm talking about I'm talking about fun ways to give them movie tickets give them passes give them t- tickets to the zoo whatever you do so that things are happening where they you're bringing joy into their life and meaning and maybe encouraging them to think do things maybe they weren't even thinking of doing right I think we're getting there to the witching hour it's been about an hour I'm going to ask One last question for you, Justin. Is there anything else that you want to share with our listeners? Anything they should focus on? Any big takeaway aside from many takeaways you've already given us? I will say, if you haven't read Justin's book, The Upstream Model, read it. Half of it is terrific. I give you two and a half stars. And then when I read the second half, you might earn two and a half more stars. Is it on Audibles, Justin? Is yeah, you get okay. you get sucked I love into I love it. it. It's you know, there's I know lots of guys they pump out books and they just do it for notoriety and and I didn't know what I was going to get. I suspected it would be great because I know you uh, quite well and it really is great and it's captivating. I just jumped from book to book to book. But what else would you like to share with us with our listeners? You know, I think I don't know. If this is a pep talk or or maybe a parental talk since I have kids who you surround yourself with matters. It matters a lot. And uh, the fact that you're in masters and you're spending time here and you're learning from these two guys, 
This is a lot. I think choose very wisely who you spend time with. There will be people in this market that will be will find everything why they can't succeed. Yet there will be other people that see nothing but opportunity, nothing but opportunity. Find those people, spend time with them, earn the right to spend time with them and do what it takes to get the systems in place, right? Don't be mm-hmm. afraid to invest in your business. Don't be afraid to spend time learning from them, even from podcasts, right? Like do the work, right? Spend time to protect your mindset and then be willing to go do the work. Just don't be a forever student. Actually go do the work. Yeah, no, great nuggets, Justin. You're, I'm very excited for you. I'm very excited for your next chapter. I especially got excited when I heard about, you know, you're, you're not just telling people what to do, but you're helping them implement it. I think that's really innovative and, and forward thinking. And, and I expect big things out of you. Appreciate it, guys. We need to have you on again very soon. And, awesome. and awesome. I would propose, it was a class I did in, in last, late last year, and it was really well received. I would propose we do another one of these in a few months, bring you back on and let's talk. And, and I don't, I don't say it from a negative way, but it's just a, it's a, it's a cool theme, like the mistakes we see agents making. And I'll give you guys a, a little teaser. I mean, do too little for their clients, do too much for their clients, error on less marketing, live beyond their means, view their home as marketing, not building a team, building too big of a team. What I want would love to do is each of those you can talk for, you know, 30, 45 seconds about and kind of like you you say, Joe, do it New York style where we just go through a bunch of yeah. things we see agents doing that send them down the wrong path. Right. So it's kind of a fun thing. It's it's a little di- different spin on. I mean, there's a lot of classes and a lot, a lot of times where we talk about what you should be doing, but it's kind of a, a fun little twist off on that. Perfect. I got, I got another commitment. So good to spend time with you. I can't wait to do it again. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. It's been a total pleasure to be with you all. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Portland Real Estate Podcast, Oregon and Washington's number one show for cutting edge real estate discussions. Also, I'd like to give a shout out to the members of Masters in Real Estate, a private and exclusive Facebook group, and the number one source for all real estate topics. Thanks for being there, gang. I love you. Finally, I want to thank our faithful listeners. Without an audience, we're just two guys talking to each other. Make sure you hit the subscribe button so the new episodes automatically come to you. Make it great.